Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. story this morning. It's around 1840 that a woman in Sweden, her name was Maria Nilsdotter, awesome name, was at her wit's end. She was at her wit's end because she was a peasant woman who had very little money and she was married to an alcoholic abuser. She looked for help in her hard situation that she couldn't get out of. She looked for help from her pietist pastor who helped her turn to Jesus. Because that's what pastors do, right? We talk a lot about Jesus, and that's what he did. Well, she met this group of people, these people who were following Jesus, who believed in Jesus, and believed in the real presence and work of Jesus in their lives now, and she found a way to get a Bible through this pastor, and she met with a little group of people who would also get together and pray for her, and together they cared for Maria. And she found help. She found hope in this little group. Well, as she came to faith in 1846, um, her husband found out that she turned her life towards Jesus. And he beat her. And he, con- and he um, tied her to a metal pipe connected to her stove. And she couldn't leave. But in her suffering, even in this hard time, she found this hope of Jesus was the hope that she needed. Well, Maria's husband died. And soon Maria found herself free and able to have this crazy new fresh start that she couldn't have hoped for before. And she had a newfound faith and life. And in this process, something happened to her. She looked around and she found that there was surrounding her in her village orphan children. Their parents, many of them died in this season from different pox and fevers and diseases. Families had died, and there was all of these children. Well, there was something really terrible that many people might not know about the history of Sweden and Finland, but you could essentially buy a child. The government did not have enough resources to care for children, and so really, whoever could come and buy a child could have one. And people did. And it was essentially slave labor. That you could have somebody working your farm, Uh, cleaning your house, and they were your child. It was called adoption, but it was, uh, but they actually had uh, special auctions for children. Well, Maria, having gone through something so hard herself, and having seen the death tolls from pandemics and so many things ravage her community, poverty and all this stuff, she was moved in her heart to buy some children for herself, but to give them the freedom and she started an orphanage. And she and her friend, uh, Birgitta Olsen, they got together and they started to go to these auctions and get the children for themselves. And they had lots of them. They started an orphanage and then they started a school on their property. She was full of compassion. And so her and her friend, they 
changed the world around them to suit these children. And when they needed money, they started to work to sew clothes and knit knit them together so that they could feed these children. The area that she lived in was called Val, which means meadow. And the farm that she lived on was called Nival, or New Meadow. Her son, who would be called Carl Nival, came to faith in Jesus too. And he became a preacher of a new organization called Mission Friends, which is the group that started the Covenant Church in Sweden in 1878. Her grandson, David Nival, became the first president of our seminary, North Park uh, College, and he was the church's most formative and intellectual leader. Birgitha's son, he became the president of, of Augustana College in Illinois and led the early Lutherans. And these two women, from their love, the impact from Maria and Birgitha to love these children transformed and set into motion what the whole covenant church would be about. Think of it. They started schools, hospitals, orphanages, churches, pharmacies, and it all began because two people joined in Jesus out of their suffering and pain in a time of deep suffering and pain. And guess what? They were faced with death and disease, epidemics, poverty, abuse, lack of education, lack of medicine. Everything was pushing against them, but they met Jesus and they found each other. And these two saw their mission as an invitation to join Jesus in healing a broken world. This is how the covenant church began, with Maria, Nil's daughter, in a place that was called the New Meadow. (laughs) I think that's quite beautiful, actually, isn't it? So this morning, we are talking about this core affirmation of our church, and it is this, that we affirm the whole mission of the church. We, or as I'm saying today, we are people with dirt under our nails, I have, me and Kelly, we have dirt under our nails during all of gardening season. We're probably the grossest people because we're sitting there in meetings, like picking dirt out from under our nails, right? Why? Because we're gardeners. We're rooting in something. We're growing things. And people who grow things, who turn a wasteland into a new meadow, they are people with dirt under their nails. They get involved. I think this morning, we even got a hint of what it is to be involved with even the, the food bank. This is what we do. This is what we are part of. This is our heritage. So the Covenant Churches began with these really humble beginnings as a mission society that happened to have churches as their members. David Nival, he believed that the missional identity of the Covenant meant a devotion to Christ that went beyond the creedal differences. Where people were fighting with, should this happen in church? Should this happen in church? What's the difference? What's the theological debate? He said, no, we have something higher than that, and that is the mission of God. The mission drives us. You can imagine that he's thinking of his grandmother, Maria, and the mission that drove her, that changed her. So we are joining together across boundaries to follow Jesus in doing Jesus' things in this world. That's fundamentally what we're all about here. So what are we up to? Well, for that, I thought we would turn to a very famous Swedish image. I'm wondering if maybe we could put this up here. All of you know this Swedish image. Does anybody know where this Swedish image comes, comes from? Yeah? Has anybody uh, used new curse words when looking through this particular Swedish document? Yes. We have it here. This is, uh, this is at the front page of almost every IKEA direction book, right? This is where marriages are tested, right? This is where faith goes through the fire is to try to figure out how to put together your latest IKEA purchase. Well, look... I just want to look at this, at this instruction booklet and take a look at these three pieces of 
uh, putting together for something for Ikea. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to try to put together this sofa, right? And this is what you need. At first, uh, there's three parts. The job is really simple. Look at this, really simple. In this case, you need two tools, right? A screwdriver and a hammer. They are laying it out, simple, 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 as you look at it and start sweating, right? Go, is this all I'm gonna need here, right? Okay, second thing Ikea wants you to know is you don't do it alone. You need to call a friend, a Swedish friend. Find a Peterson or an Anderson or somebody and get them over here because they apparently don't wear pants or clothes and they are willing to help you put something together. And oh no, you can't read Swedish and you are stuck. Big question mark, guess what? You can call Ikea and apparently somebody from Sweden will help you walk through the process of putting this thing together. So this is, this, uh, as I was putting this sermon together, I was like, this, this is actually a picture of what we're called to as God's people. This is, this is strange. Follow along with, with me here. So what is the mission of Jesus? What is this really simple thing that we are to be doing? Well, covenant people and Christians for 2,000 years have come down to uh, two key things out of Matthew. Matthew 22 and Matthew 28. And it is something that we call the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. This is, this is our core mission identity. These are the things that Jesus says we are to be on about. And they're simple, uh, but you kind of stand back and go, how are we going to pull this off? So I'm going to read this for you. Matthew uh, 28. The very end, when the last words of Jesus recorded in Matthew 28, 19, it says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. This is called the Great Commission. This is Jesus sending people out. Not explaining how church is to be done. Not explaining how to love that crabby neighbor that you have. Not explaining a lot of things, but saying this. Go and make disciples. Make people who follow Jesus. Help them follow Jesus, like Maria came to follow Jesus. Baptize them. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Where we turn and live a new life in Jesus. Teach them to obey the commands. Well, what are the commands? We are going to take a look at the great commandment. Teach them to obey the commands, and I am with you always. I'm with you always. This is, this is how Matthew ends. Ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. It's like, here's your screwdriver and your hammer. Go. You go, okay, okay, let's turn to page one and see what we can do here. So what are the commands that Jesus gave? Well, we call these the, the great commandment of Jesus. It's a few, but he wraps them into one. Matthew 22, 37. It says this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So we call this the great commandment, love God and love your neighbor. This is what we are given. These are the two tools we are given. So the early covenant church, they loved, they captured these. They said, this is core to us, the great commission and the great commandment. And they acted like kind of mission phrases that drove them. Maybe they weren't the most educated people, although they, they, they went on and started all sorts of colleges and everything, but they believed this was core to us. So a guy named James Bruckner, he lays it out in simple terms. Like Ikea furniture, he says it is simple. 
the covenant came up with a few phrases. And these are some Swedish phrases. I don't know the Swedish translation, but this is what it is. God's glory and neighbor's good. This is what covenanters would say. God's glory and neighbor's good. This is what we are here for. God's glory and neighbor's good. They also said this. Church exists by doing mission as fire exists by burning. I'm going to say that again. The church exists by doing mission as fire exists by burning. In other words, you can't separate out church from what Jesus wants to do in the church and with the church and through the church. Fire and burning, they're the same thing. The church on mission, joining with God and healing the world and loving others, this is who we are. They also held on to Galatians 5, 6. Faith active in love. Faith active in love. Some of the state church at the time in Sweden, they were faith inactive in (laughs) non-love. The church had stalled. It just would meet, sing a song, carry on, right? And these covenanters, they were like faith active in love. It's right here in Galatians. We must move. The church proclaims the good news by lives lived, words spoken, and love for others in community. Generosity and compassion heals and repairs lives. We live joyfully even in suffering and service. And in doing so, we join Jesus in proclaiming the reality of the kingdom, which extends throughout the world. And they also said the mission belongs to everybody, the whole church, to men and to women, to young and to old. We are big on doing Jesus things in the Jesus way. What fascinating little tidbits that they would just hang their hat on. And it all came down to connecting faith by what you believe to what you do. These things were inseparable to them. Love God and love neighbor. God's glory, neighbor's good. And so you can see here that the mission of God is quite all-encompassing. Jesus is making all things new. And so these people, they held on to a verse in Colossians. Colossians 1, let's see if I can find it here. Colossians 1.20 says this. It says, through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So they, they were moved by this. They said, God's making everything good again. He's reconciling all things in heaven and on earth. And what they discovered was that there is no broken thing, no sad thing, no infected thing, no lost thing, no person, no life, no part of creation that is outside of God's redemptive plan to make everything new again. And they were moved by this. There was nothing that they could touch and see that wasn't open for God's love to touch it to. Suddenly everything was wide open. And they were participants in it. And this fueled them. So that's the mission. That's the the tools. That's the screwdriver and the hammer. Love God. Love neighbor. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Baptize. And guess what? God is with you in that. So like Ikea furniture, the mission might be simple, but the Ikea instructions carry on. Can I have that Ikea thing back back up there? It goes on because these people realize that it's not enough to just have the mission of God that they got to get on with, but the idea of doing this mission with others was core to them. (laughs) They were called the mission friends because they understood the sense that both 
sense of both sharing mission with another and then befriending everybody that they meet. They believed you could be friends with your neighbor. They believed you could love the people around you, that they weren't your enemies, that you could reach out to them. So you could be friends with God, friends with each other, and friends with your neighbor. And so they were called the mission friends. And that they believed this is how the world was healed. Was you did it together. You built things together. You mended things together. People didn't have to believe exactly what you believed to join in with you doing Jesus things together. It was a big deal for them. So this is where we're going to step into scripture this morning. We read this uh, earlier, but John 15 is really a verse that these people really put core to, 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 to them. They, they held on to it. John 15, 13 to 17, but I'm going to read back a little bit. It says this, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. This is what we're supposed to do. This is the great commission is to do the commandments of God, and the commandment of God is to love each other. This is it. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves, he says, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. No, now you are my friends. I love this. You are now my friends since I told you everything the Father has told me. So Jesus, he comes on the scene and he's saying, you are my friends and you can now have a friendship with me that takes you into my mission. I, I have needed Jesus more in this season of my life than, I've, than I have ever had. Sometimes in our faith, we're able to do some things on our own. Have you ever tried doing your faith on your own? It's actually pretty, it feels good, right? Because you don't really need to think about it too, too much. You just pave a trail and you go. You do some nice things. You go to church. You maybe read your Bible once in a while. But that's not how Jesus set it up. He says, I call you my friends. We do this together. You and me are friends in this life. Do not go through this life and get very late in life before you discover friendship with Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who actually helps us find our way through. And actually, in finding friendship with Jesus we learn how to have friendship with each other. Jesus' friendship models for us how to forgive each other because Jesus forgives us, right? Jesus' friendship models for us how to sacrifice for each other, how to lay down our lives for each other because Jesus does that for us. Uh, There are such things as a Christless Christianity where you don't have to have a friend with, with Jesus to be able to follow or to be able to call yourself a Christian. It doesn't last long. It doesn't do well. So, it's friends between us and Jesus, but the Bible takes it further. We are actually learning that in following Jesus, we befriend others. And this is how God's Spirit is working. Think of almost anybody who's a hero of yours in the Bible. And I could almost point out today that they had a friend alongside with them. Mary had Elizabeth, and they came together sharing this great news of these babies growing inside of them. Even James and John, the disciples of Jesus, sons of thunder, Jesus jokingly called them sons of thunder because they wanted to wipe out a Samaritan village. But they even had each other and learned to follow God. Paul had a missionary partner in Silas, and they became friends in ministry, spent time in jail together. They, I'm sure they carried each other along during it all. But over and over, we see people finding friendship with each other as they become friends with Jesus. Then joining in together, they follow Jesus like Maria and Birgitta did. 
They turned their farm into Nival, the new meadow, and they did something beautiful. They comforted each other as they probably reminisced on the hardships they'd come from and probably looked out at a sea of children and said, what are we doing here? They needed each other. They needed a good partner. They got dirt under their nails, and they needed somebody to go along with them. But there's one other piece that's essential. You got your mission. You got your thing that you're about to do. Don't do it alone. You need a friend. And then, what the heck, where are we? (laughs) I don't understand the next step. Page one is confusing. Do I turn it this way, that way, whatever? I don't know what to do. Well, this is the part that for me has also been very important. Not only has turning to Jesus as a friend been important, but I've been finding friends even in our community that have helped me become a better pastor and a follower of Jesus. But guess what? We also need a life of prayer that trusts in the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to be people who are, know that we're not left to solve the challenges of this world alone. We are not alone. We are given God's Spirit who is with us and who we can talk with and who leads us and comforts us and more. Jesus says, I am with you and I'm leaving somebody with you, my Spirit, who is with you to take you on this journey. Don't be afraid. So in the same way that an IKEA phone call might be helpful, Think of with God, it's all the more, right? (laughs) We have somebody who is with us in our pain. And we can ask. And right now, guess what? I need to ask. Being a pastor, pointing to Jesus in a time of fear and anger and conflicting ideas and ideals are pushing on from all sides. And guess what? I need help. I need help. I need friends around me who can help me be live up to the calling that I've been asked to do. And guess what? I need help because I don't easily know how to help an anti-vaxxer, pro-choice, right-wing idealist with opinions about how we should worship, love, a vax passport, pro-life, social justice idealist who has opinions about how church should deal with addiction. Those are, those are pretty much the calls that I had all week long. And I am not an arbiter. I am a witness to the work of Jesus that everything that pulls us away from Jesus, I say, come back. Come and look. Come and look. All those things that are frightful and scary and anxiety building inside of you, all the things that make you angry about society, guess what? As much as you want to repair what's broken in the world today, God wants to do it all the more. And he is able to do it all the more. I cannot solve what is going on in the world apart from stepping in with these two little things that I have of love God and love neighbor with some friends stepping in and guess what? The Holy Spirit is is listening to everything that I'm crying about today. That is the mending work of God. And guess what? The Bible says if you talk about this, this is foolishness to those who aren't being saved. But this is salvation for the Marias of the world. (laughs) This is salvation for those orphans. This is salvation for people who got some food at the food bank. This is salvation for Chestermere today. And it is absurd. It is absurd that following Jesus would actually change the world around us. But guess what? Following Jesus has changed the world for 2,000 years. And probably the reason why we're sitting in a school today or there's a hospital to go to, it's because God has transformed hearts of people for thousands of years. And yours is among them. 
So this is not the time to abandon the work of Jesus in our lives and say, I got another way. I'm going to go in, on Twitter and tell the whole world what I think about that, right? Today is the day of any day where we turn to Jesus and we say, we are people with dirt under our nails who get involved in a broken world because we have the power of God who has come and who says he loves us and loves our community. So we meet and join in God in this shared mission. We find companions to live out this soul-deep calling to follow Jesus. And guess what? You're in a room of companions today. This is cool. You're in a room of companions. If you're following online, guess what? There's some people here and there's some people online too. We are together in this following of Jesus. So we feed each other. We have fun with some kids and talk to them about Jesus. We plant gardens. We tend to bees. We create events with the city. We write books. We make podcasts. We serve food. We gather and worship. We pray with each other. We plan for the future. We host small groups. We bring peace in pandemics. We write letters. We fix tires. We love Haitians. We drive youth. We create community of Jesus followers and mission friends that is alive and thriving here in our city because we have a Jesus who shows us how. This is good news. This is the hope of Jesus in dark times. Friends, when we have a mission in front of us, it changes everything. We are not alone. I hope this morning that you will have sensed in your heart a renewed call to join in the work that Jesus is doing in the place you are at. Nothing you do is too small. Jesus has a way of bringing your small offering as a living sacrifice, your life before him. Maria, who was nothing but somebody who was tied to an oven, gave her life to Jesus, and in doing so, she changed the lives of millions, including mine here today, because she gave her life over to Jesus. And so I hope today, in response in your heart, that you will be somebody like Maria, whatever your circumstances, whatever pain and sorrow you are carrying, that it is not too hard for Jesus to take your life and say, join me, get some dirt under your nails with me. I got a beautiful part of the garden, part of a wasteland, part of a pandemic wasteland that I want to turn into a new meadow. This is the hope of Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for my mission friends. Thank you for people who each and every one has joined you in testing out what it is to get dirt under our nails and follow you. Lord, but we confess this morning that we are tired. We confess this morning that we have tried our own way to solve the world's problems. We confess this morning that we are afraid, that we are wondering, that we don't know which way is up. So Holy Spirit, come and call us back into the work of joining you in making this new meadow. This place where people are free. This place where people are cared for and fed. This place where we gather and find community and find partnership in doing what you've called us to in this place. May people look at this moment in time, this pandemic, this great sadness in Chestermere and the whole world, and see it as a time that people trusted you, that you began to do a good work in your world to heal and make things right again. So come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Have mercy, Kyrie Eleison, O Lord. Have mercy on us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come over your stands, please, as I offer the benediction. Jesus says that he chose you. 
I'm sure most people in this room today have a moment where they can remember and say, there's a moment that I said, yes, he did find me. He loves me. I'm safe. I don't think there's any better place for followers of Jesus to be than in the mission of Jesus in the world. I truly believe that. If it hurts, it's still the better place to be. (laughs) If it's hard, it's still the better place to be. If you lose something in the process, I actually believe it's still the better place to be. Because I believe it is the way that God is mending all things. So, but this all happens because you are beloved. (laughs) You are beloved. You have an identity in Christ that is sure. I was reading, I think it was Romans 11. They, nothing can take away your gifts and your calling. You are sure as a beloved child of God with what he's given you. So you can give freely. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift, lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace as you go from here. Have a good week, everybody. Bless you. God's spirit is with you. And to everybody online, bless, bless you too. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I encourage you, if you have children, go and pick them up or leave them for the afternoon and come get them at supper time. I'm sure that would be okay too, okay? So.